Bienvenidos a todos y a todas to our newly reinstated Radio Pulso, also known as the Boyle Heights Beat Podcast. And to our listeners who tuned in, mil gracias. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your support. And I hope that all of y'all are as excited as we are about being back. And I know, I know, it's been a cool minute since y'all last heard from us. But we're back and it feels so, so good. My name is Kate Valdez, and I'm just super, super excited to be here today, as I've already established. And, you know, just for context, so you know who you're listening to, I'm a Boyle Heights native, and I graduated from the Magnet Academy at Roosevelt High School in 2018. But I'm also a proud Boyle Heights B alum. I was a youth reporter way back in 2016 through 2018. And in all honesty, it really hasn't been that long. But please, let me have this one win where I'm not reminded that I'm actually getting older. And now currently, I'm the program coordinator for Boyle Heights Beat and apparently a radio host now, question mark. And joining me today is my amazing co-host and also colleague, Kevin Martinez. So come on, Kevin, let the listeners know how you're doing today. Hello, Kate. Nice to see you again. Um, Yeah, it's been very warm this whole week. I'm not a big fan of warm weather. I get pretty grumpy sometimes, but today is different because we are reinstating our podcast as you said i'm extremely excited to be here and yeah just to share a little bit about myself i was not born in boy heights or raised in boy heights but i was actually born and raised in south central la but i did attend just like you the magnet academy at roosevelt high school in 2012 that's when i graduated my family is from Mexico City, and I believe Mexico City has probably the best tacos al pastor. Anyway, before I get more sidetracked, I first got involved with Boy Heights Beat also as a youth reporter back in 2011, 2012, around that time, and have remained in touch since then. Currently, I support as a journalist mentor, working with the current cohort to ensure that their stories get published on time and also now as a radio host. I studied abroad in Utah, and I say abroad very intentionally because it's a different world out there. And that's where I got my bachelor's in sociology and my master's in education. For sure, for sure, Kevin. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, studying in Utah does qualify as being abroad. And I'm sure most, if not all, of our listeners would agree with that. But just very quickly, we want our audience to know that we're a radio program and podcast brought to you by the community news outlet known as Boyle Heights Beat. This is a program that trains local high school students to publish a community newspaper. And not only that, um, you learn everything from how to conduct an interview to how to transcribe an interview. And the culminating event would be that you would get to publish your own work on our newspaper. And I know Kevin and I both have been through it and we know how great it is and how fascinating it could be to learn that. So I highly encourage any youth um, in the community who want to be shown the world of journalism to please show interest and, and join Boyle Heights Beat because it's been a great experience. And it also produces this very own podcast. So what do we have going on today, Kevin? Can we just take a moment and just, it's a trip because we were both, you know, youth reporters in our own given time. And for me, for example, like to come back 10 years later and you know now work with current high school students and be in the same position where, you know, I was once were like in, it's just it's a trip. Like and so let's just take that in. 
It really is a full circle moment, isn't it, Kevin? Absolutely. <laughs> and it's been great. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of our goals for our uh, Radio Pulso podcast is to focus on important themes that highlight Boy Heights, the essence of Boy Heights, and most importantly, the people who make it beautiful. Uh, so for this month's theme, we are starting with Community Pride and specifically focusing on Women's History Month. Today, we will be interviewing history and ethnic studies teacher Roxana Duenas and Cizo Fantastic, who recently opened up a women-owned and operated restaurant with her mom. So with that being said, I'm super excited to introduce our first guest speaker on our newly reinstated podcast, Roxana Duenas. Roxana Duenas is an ethnic studies and history teacher at Math, Science, and Technology Magnet at Roosevelt High School in Boy Heights. As the first in her family to go to college, Roxana graduated from UC Santa Barbara with a bachelor's in women's studies and Chicana, Chicano, Chicanx studies. In 2009, she graduated from UCLA's teacher's education program with a master's in education and also a teaching credential. It is her gender and ethnic studies coursework that ultimately inspired and influenced her to pursue a teaching career with a specific emphasis on social justice and transformative education in urban schools. Additionally, uh, she is currently a part of LAUSD's ethnic studies leadership team, which helps develop resources for teachers and schools as they implement ethnic studies at their respective school sites. One of her many goals is to ensure schools have meaningful, critical ethnic studies courses to offer students who do not always see themselves represented and empowered in their history courses. Roxana, hi. It is an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us. We've been looking forward to recording this episode, to be honest, and especially for this month's theme, which is Community Pride, and specifically on Women's History Month, because, well, you've made history already. But first things first, how are you? First of all, thank you for having me. This is my first, like I said, my first live podcast. Um, so again, thank you so much. It's an honor. And I am feeling equally energized and exhausted after a full week of teaching. But yeah, I'm feeling, I'm, really, I'm just really excited to be here, honestly. All right. So, Roxana, so, so given that, you know, um, I just shared earlier in your bio, right, like the taking gender and ethnic studies courses was what inspired and influenced you to go into the teaching uh, field. Can you tell us a bit more about what you learned in those classes, particularly? Like, was there something that just was like, wow, like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And or are there other inspirations and influences that led you to that career choice? Yeah. So I went to like I said, I was the first in my family to go to college and I went to UC Santa Barbara, not knowing anything about the campus. It was the only school that I actually got into, which is wild. And um, yeah, I went in without knowing anything and I really struggled i think you know we always talk about the culture shock mm -hmm. um and you know being at a predominantly white institution although i think it's a hispanic i think serving institution now but it was really shocking um and i really struggled the first couple of months when i was at school there and then i took a women's studies class and i was like what, what do you mean there's a whole class mm -hmm. devoted to talking about uh, the history of women and women's rights issues like that to me was just mind-blowing and it was that course that also introduced me to Chicano studies and other ethnic studies courses. And I'm like, oh, like, this is amazing. I could like, I was excited to do the readings. And I felt really 
just like validate like it I think it spoke to me in so many different ways because I, I went actually went to Garfield High School and I had a you know a really traditional schooling experience. I took all of the AP classes. I always talk about that and I did well, but I, I was kind of blown away that I hadn't learned about like the history of Garfield High School. I think mm. about the walkouts. And um even though I think I did well in the, in those classes, going to Santa Barbara made me realize in the classes that I was taking that not everybody got the experience that I got at Garfield High School as far as like being, you know, in honors and AP classes, even though schools aren't technically tracked, they I mean, they really are still tracked, obviously. Right. So it was kind of my like it was like that aha moment of like not everybody got this experience. And even when I got like a great experience. I didn't learn about my community. I learned about the Jaime Escalante program, you know, mm-hmm. to like uplift like the AP program, but not about the walkouts, which to me is like, I think it was that moment that I think really clicked. And yeah. also just having other experiences of like experiencing like racism on campus in really subtle ways, you know, microaggressions. And the class really just spoke to my experience. And um, I really thought about, I I already thought I wanted to be a teacher, but those classes gave me like a purpose. I took a class with Dr. Tarayoso where I learned about, you know, community cultural wealth and right. the work of Dr. Salorzano, excuse me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I like I can't wait to go back to, you know, to go to the classroom, to go to my community and to be able to to teach this there. And I really totally in my mind had it that I would teach at Garfield. And the ultimate irony is, I mean, not irony, but coincidence. I don't know what it is, but I'm, now I'm at the rival school, which is Roosevelt. And yeah. I really love it. I love it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I won't put you on the spot, though. I won't have you choose which school you prefer, I, which school is best. I love them both. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? She said Roosevelt. I'm no. just kidding. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely get that, though, because I, when, I, when, I, when I went to college, I also attended a PWI and suddenly learning about community cultural wealth, I was just like, why didn't I learn this sooner? You know, and and it's a trip, and and so I definitely get the like the wanting to go back to the community and like just spread that, and and also have students feel validated at a younger age, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so when so you started teaching in what year approximately? Technically, two thousand eight. I got I was in the classroom in two thousand eight, and I started teaching at Garfield, mm-hmm. and then it was during the time of like constant pink slips, so I kept getting pink slipped, and I ended up at Roosevelt High School the year after that. But yeah, I've been teaching since 2008. Yeah, because I, I mean, I went to Roosevelt and I started in 2008 and I remember oh. seeing you, but you weren't part of Magnet no. then, right? No, no, I was at the main campus. Right, right. So uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll get later into like the UTLA strike and then seeing your face and I was like, what? I, I think I know her. <laughs> but before we go into that, now you being an educator, like what do you hope students take away from being in your classroom? Oh my gosh. Um, there are a lot, I think, and to speak to the word that you mentioned earlier, validation, I think, is really important for to feel validated in in your identity, in your experiences, in your outrage. You know, I think sometimes students are really disillusioned with school or society. And it's like, that's valid. Can we can we give it a language and can we name why school feels sometimes really discouraging or overwhelming or that sometimes there's a disconnect. So to me, validating students, whether it's you know positive experiences in their community or the, the dis- disillusionment with schooling, I think being able to name systems of oppression. Mm. So like giving names and languages, because students are already critiquing. That's right. like they can, they're questioning and they're critiquing. And so for us as educators, can we give them really like tangible tools to be able to name it? 
the systems of oppression. That's one of the things that we always talk about. Um, and then can we imagine like new solutions? Can we, can we learn from previous social and historical movements about how to make transformative change? So I'm really hoping there's a lot. I, I feel like there's so much weight in the class, but this idea of validation, humanizing students that they're like whole complex, messy, amazing human beings. Right. Um, and that they also feel hopeful, like that mm -hmm. we learn these heavy, difficult things that either happened in the past or are currently happening, but that we can have a place to brainstorm and think like, well, what are we going to do about this? And that they feel empowered and, and hopeful and not discouraged when they leave. Because when you're learning about these things, it's like, it's heavy. It's yeah. enraging, you know? And so I hope that they leave the classroom feeling like that they're valued. Mm -hmm. and that they can whatever field and discipline they pursue whether i always tell them like whether it's art or music or math science um that in any respective field that you feel like you can dismantle these systems of oppression i know that sounds really big but that's my dream i guess yeah <laughs> i mean it's that hope right that you're talking of yeah i think one thing that you mentioned earlier was you know that students are already critiquing right and i think oftentimes when they critique it's seen as like negative behavior right or a trouble complaining right yeah right and so i think being able to kind of reshift that thinking right. into more of like okay these students actually have something to say and it's valid because they're you know they're the ones that are being impacted the most right. and then at the same time incorporating them into like this change right being a part of that process that's pretty dope that's pretty yeah. dope it's um, really ambitious i don't know that we always accomplish it in a semester <laughs> or two but that's what we're trying to do. I mean, planting that seed, right? I mean, maybe they they go on to college and then they're like, oh, snap, I remember thinking about this or mm -hmm. talking about this. Right. Okay. So with my follow-up question to that is, this is also pretty broad and pretty tough question possibly, but what does an educator look like to you? And how have you been able to embody that image? I know. Ooh, yeah. What does an educator look like? Someone who's willing to constantly learn I feel like when I start to get really rigid in my you know content or my ways of doing things it's mm -hmm. when teaching becomes really difficult so I think a teacher should be willing to learn from whoever they're they're attempting to teach right you know Paulo Freire teaches that right mm -hmm. teaches us that so being flexible tapping into your own humanity right so this idea I you know more so now I'm thinking about like my own healing and how Whatever I want my students to do, whether it's to create, to imagine, to push back, to resist, am I willing to do that myself? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, am I putting myself in situations? Even today, it, it's a practice of courage to do something out of my comfort zone. And, you know, setting that example for, for our young people that whatever we're asking them to do, to resist, to question, critique, imagine, am I also partaking in that practice? Mm -hmm. So... And also to be in community where whoever it is that you're wherever you're trying to teach. And that's why I'm so grateful that I'm able to teach in Boyle Heights, because even though I'm from East L.A., I feel like Boyle Heights has really embraced me. And I, I've been I feel part of the community. And I feel like that allows me to be a better educator and show up for our students. So, yeah, being teachable, I think, makes you a good teacher. Yeah, I mean, I think I, being flexible, right, is something that I I mean, when thinking of the educators that made the most impact in my life, right? I definitely, that's one characteristic that stood out to me, right? Being flexible, like validating, right? And just showing up, 
for the students, right? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Boy Heights, right? Embracing you. And I, 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 for some reason, I thought you were born and raised in Boy Heights. So thank you for making that clarification. So since you started, you know, working at Boy Heights, which is, I mean, it's not too far. It's literally one block away. Literally. Right? And I'm on that block that divides <laughs> the two worlds, I guess. Oh, wow. That's yeah. interesting. So if you can, you know, just tell us, like, what does Boy Heights mean to you? Oh, my gosh. Um, wow, that's even hard to kind of put into one word. I think when I think of Boyle Heights, I think about community, like uh, just feeling welcomed, feeling like it's a place to like learn from other folks. Just even here being like at Espacio, like I think about Myra and Nico and like how they've embodied community. Um, the teachers at Roosevelt, who when I started teaching there, took me in and took me under their wings and mentored me. Um, and allowed me to kind of partake in these different spaces. I think about bridge runners who I, I run with sometimes, haven't run in a while. <laughs> but there's so many different ways um, that I feel like I've been able to experience community with my students uh, at the school. Um, so when I think of Boyle Heights, I think of so many things, but community, resilience, and resistance. I feel like when I think about like the history of Boyle Heights in East LA, like people are constantly resisting these injustices and different systems of oppression so it's like this amalgamation of all of these wonderful things that i'm grateful that i get to experience working here and hanging out here all the time and now being a part of a radio yeah yeah live. now i'm here which is pretty <laughs> awesome with rhs alum i know it's such a trip full so like you said full circle definitely yeah all right so i mean now Speaking of, you know, growing up in Boy Heights and, oh, sorry, uh, uh, living in, uh, uh, not working in Boy Heights and growing up in East LA and just how much history exists of, like, how much history of resistance exists in this, this uh, in these boundaries, right? And in 2019, right, there's the walkouts, another historical moment in which it was approximately six to eight day strike that was led by United Teachers LA, also known as UTLA. They demanded not just salary increases, but also more funding for counselors, nurses, librarians, a reduction in standardized testing, and a reduction of class sizes too. So as I mentioned earlier at the beginning, right, I remember seeing the poster and seeing like thinking that I know that person and sure thing, she works at Roosevelt <laughs> High School. So I'm, I'm just curious, like how were you selected to be the face of the movement and how did it feel? Honestly, I don't, I, I know, but I don't know I don't know why I was like, I mean, I've spoken to Ernesto, shout out to the artist of the, the poster, but I just, I always wonder why me, because I know so many amazing, like so many amazing educators who inspire me and who I get to work with and learn from. So I don't know why specifically me, but I do know Ernesto, I've known Ernesto for quite a while. He actually did an art workshop in our, at Roosevelt like nine years ago, like one of my first or second years of teaching. He actually came to art club that is sponsored by Mr. Lopez. Um, and he brought stencils and um, the students, you know, he, he taught us about his art and he, you know, he led a whole workshop. And so that's how I met him. And I've always followed his work. And in two, 2019, he, he reached out and he's like, hey, I have this project. Would you be for UTLA? Would you be interested in taking this picture for this poster project? And I didn't think it was going to be what it was. I thought it was going to be for like a newsletter, a bulletin, like and I was like, yeah, sure. Of course, you know, and I always tell folks like I was on my way to the gym and I just didn't kind of I was just it's it's cool. Like, it, it, you know, I didn't could not have imagined. And so I went, took the picture and 
then it, it kind of blew up into something that I could not have ever imagined. I didn't think we would actually go on strike because when he reached out to me, it was November. They were thinking we might go on strike by like December, January. And I was like, well, we'll be able to negotiate something by then. I know we'll have a rally, but I, I could not have imagined what would come after that. So I think, yeah, my relationship with, with Ernesto and with the fact that he, you know, knew our school and he, he was familiar with our work, our ethnic studies work. Mm. Um, and I know he said, like he's previously mentioned that he might see me like kind of like a representation of Latino teachers in LA, but I guess that might be me and other folks who are like me. I think I don't want to put words in his mouth, but <laughs> something to that effect. Yeah. 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 So, wow. So you literally just got out the gym, went to take this picture. Went yeah, home. I was like, I put on like this random flannel. T like it was just like I didn't like. If I would have thought about it more, I would have put more thought and effort into my hair and makeup. But that's a story for another time, I guess. But yeah, I didn't think like I just thought it was like, oh, it's this bulletin project. And what was your first like moment where you like where you it kind of hit you like, oh man, this is big. I think. Once when I saw, like when he posted the artwork on social media, I was like, whoa, that's wild. That's I, that's my face. And then I think December 15th, more, more or less, I think there was a rally at downtown LA mm -hmm. and they had a massive like poster, like that was like on a flatbed of some sort. And I was, it was shocking. Like I, you know, I always tell my students, like, I think about like 13 year old, 14 year old me who was like super self-conscious and never wanted to take pictures. And I felt like 13 year old me was like, that's your face on this massive like canvas. And it was humbling. It was, I feel like there was every, like, I also felt embarrassed. Like it was like, oh my God, that's my, like every feeling that you could imagine. I think I felt it, but it was, it's also like a huge honor. Like I think about, you know, LAUSC being the second largest district in the nation. And I'm like, that's my face. It's. You're representing. Yeah. So it was, I felt like it was an honor and it was also a little bit terrifying yeah. to have the spotlight in front of you in that way. Yeah. Um, but I also felt really proud. Like my parents saw it and I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's us. I don't know. It was really cool in that's, that way too. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Right. And just real quick, I, I, I read, right, that it, that actual um, uh, art piece ended up in a, a museum. Which, Smithsonian. Can you tell us more about that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, so Ernesto also reached out and said, hey, they're considering this image for the exhibit. And again, I was like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. But then when it was confirmed that it was going to be in the Smithsonian, I it was it's really emotional. I, I'm going to get emotional right now. But I think about my mom and dad who, <clears throat> you know, they have like a third grade, eighth grade education, immigrated to the U.S. And now... You know, my name is, is it's on the plaque in the museum. And I'm like, Dad, that's your last name, Duenas, in this federal museum in Washington, D.C. And I think about all of the work that. Okay. <laughs> what happened? OK, <clears throat> um, just the kind of the, like all of the labor, the work and the pushing that kind of goes into that. And so for me, it was really awesome for my parents to be able to see that. And, you know, it was on the newspapers and the LA Times, which, again, wild. And I feel like that's part of the community because you don't do these things alone. So to me, seeing that there is like a reflection of so much work and sacrifice and love. Children of immigrants can can thrive. And yeah, it's super touching. And I didn't expect to get that emotional. But it, it that's that's when I think about when I when I see that there's 
all the love that's poured into that experience, I guess. Thank you for, <laughs> for sharing. I, I can only imagine, right, just how I, I also want to get emotional because, I mean, growing up, right, like with similar, like, immigrant parents, I can, I can imagine how deep that must have felt. And, you know, I'm proud, you know, to, to I mean, I never had a class with you, but I'm like, hey, she went to Roosevelt. <laughs> she teaches at Roosevelt from the community and and I'm, I'm proud of you we're proud of you thank sure. you it means a lot a lot it really does well so what are your future career goals like do you see yourself continuing as an educator or you're trying to plan another worldwide uh, strike <laughs> what, what's in store for you oh my gosh you know there are days when I see myself doing this for a very very long time I love being in the classroom I love creating curriculum I love collaborating with other educators and organizations, having those aha moments in the classroom where students, like, it's amazing. I mean, I have the privilege of being able to create, I have a lot of creative freedom around my curriculum. So that aspect makes me feel like I wanna do it forever. And also the way that teaching is set up right now, it's not sustainable in any capacity. When, when you think about what teachers are being asked to do, there's no way that you can do that with 100% like fidelity and authenticity under the current conditions. Even though we, we went on strike and, and we there was things that we were able to accomplish, I think teaching as a profession is highly undervalued, mainly because it's a it's a women's predominantly women's profession, right? Right. So sometimes I think about, you know, as I get older, will I be able to do this work with the same amount of energy and enthusiasm? So I don't know what's necessarily next, but I do know that you know, we have to continue to fight and advocate for teachers' rights because, you know, t at least like UTLA says, right? The conditions of the teacher will event or that teachers have to work in determine the, the conditions that young people have to learn in. And so if we value young people's learning and education, we have to invest way more and uh, make it sustainable so that people aren't having to sacrifice so much of their their time and their energy to be meaning like to be good teachers because it it's it is work. And the way that it's currently set up, I think across this country, it's not sustainable. So I don't know if another strike is in the works, but we definitely have to continue. And that's what I tell young, like, you know, students in the classroom. I'm like, there's still like people fought so hard to get to this point, And we, there's still so much work that needs to be done in order for young people to be able to learn and for educators and people in the teaching profession to feel valued, respected. And like their work is is important because I mean, it is so. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what's in store next, but we'll see. I don't know. And that's okay. That's okay. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this interview, but we hope to have you again uh, soon. It's been an honor, as I said. I feel pretty privileged to you know, share this space with you. And thank you so much for, for joining thank us. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very honored, very grateful. So thank you. I hope you all enjoyed listening to our first guest speaker, Roxana Duena, share a bit about her career and what Boyle Heights and East LA means to her, as I'm sure it means a lot to most of us too. Up next, we have DJ Sizzle here with us. Sizzle Fantastic is a native of Guerrero, Mexico, and was raised in Boyle Heights, California. She is an entrepreneur, DJ, restaurant owner, public speaker, and former labor immigrant rights organizer. Currently, she is a director and co-founder of Cumbiaton a nationwide event which has been regarded as a party for the hood and by the hood. Cumbiaton pays homage to the Afro-Latinx cultura and musica de barrios. Most recently, she and her mom opened up a woman-owned and operated restaurant named Sazon. 
It is located in the city of Huntington Park. DJ Sezo uplifts and centers women, migrant, queer, and working-class BIPOC communities through music, art, and activism. Her work has been recognized and praised by many reputable outlets such as Los Angeles Magazine, Remezcla, and Uprox. Sezo Fantastic holds DJ residencies all throughout Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, and New York. Talk about being a strong and inspirational woman leader in the community, because that is quite the reputation and achievements. It is my pleasure to introduce Sizzle Fantastic. Hi, Sizzle. Thank you so much for being here today and being part of our revamped podcast. It is truly an honor to highlight you and your impact for our community pride theme focusing on Women's History Month. Because let's face it, your wide range of contributions to our community has been a form of inspiration to many, such as myself. So let's jump right in. First off, how are you today? Hi, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be here um, with you both and, um, you know, with everybody also listening. So thank you again for having me on. Of course, of course. It's, it's our pleasure, honestly. Um, so I just want to start off like really general. Um, since you were raised in Boyle Heights, California, um, as I was myself, too, uh, I just want to see like what does Boyle Heights mean to you as a person? Uh, well, Boyle Heights means home to me. Um, it's, as, as you stated, it's um, the city that welcomed us with open arms as, you know, immigrant women here to the United States. And it's been home since I was four years old. So it means, um, it means home to me. It means cultura. It means community. And it means resilience. And I'm super, you know, wherever I go, I let people know I'm super happy and always I'm proud to rep Boyle Heights. Of course, of course. So you talk about this cultura that you found in your home of Boyle Heights. So how has that aspect of it impacted your career and your trajectory? Like what impact does Boyle Heights actually have in all these passions that make you you? Yeah, so as mentioned, right, I was lucky enough to be raised in such a culturally rich community where I was able to also just kind of get the best of all worlds in a sense, because obviously coming into the artist artist scene, right, um, I came with a lot of um, with a lot of influence, right? That was not just of my family, right? It was of my neighbors, it was of my community, it was of my classmates, and it's really beautiful to be able to represent that, you know, because folks that, you know, are um, you know are not really familiar with Boyle Heights don't know that it's much more than, you know, just like a, a Chicano, Chicana, Chicanx um, community, right? We have people from all walks of life. We have street vendors. We have, you know, amazing community artists. We have, um, you know, just such a rich history of um, political um, movements within our community. But we also have, you know, like our uh, folks that you know, are just so incredibly powerful, powerful people that come out of our community. So I think that's one of the main things that I am super proud to always represent, right? That it's not just kind of like black and white, it's a multifaceted community. And it's really beautiful, you know, to be able to um, be raised and kind of rep that wherever we go. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Boyle Heights is just like this huge melting pot with a diversity of people and culture. And it's just a beautiful space to be in. Like myself, like I feel like I can, it's inspired me. It's shaped who I am. And I just carry that throughout my life. And 
it really is just the strong motivation. It's always playing in the back of my mind that I'm super proud to represent, like you said as well. So I wanted to touch up a little bit on Gumbiaton. Uh, you are the co-founder and director of it. Um, so what actually inspired you to co-create Gumbiaton? So for us, Cumbiaton, um, you know, as you mentioned, is for the hood, by the hood, meaning that we do everything, um, whether it's events, whether it's our music, whether it's our photography, our illustration, it has to be representative of our community, which for us means immigrant, queer, trans, um, people of color who continue to, um, you know, be creators of these movements. Um, and a lot of the times you don't see that in like nightlife particularly, right? Um, so for us, it was really important to be able to um, not only have the folks we say we represent, um, you know, behind the camera, behind the DJ booth, but also on the dance floor, also in every aspect of production. So it was really important for us to continue to reinvest in our communities that a lot of the time, um, unfortunately, you know, um, people outsource, right? Which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your thing, that's fine. But ultimately for me, I recognize that there's a lot of, again, power. There's a lot of artistry within our communities, um, particularly within women, particularly within immigrant, queer, um, black folks that a lot of the times, you know, don't feel that they are represented or uplifted or they don't get to tell their stories on their own, right? Um, so for us, it's really important to be able to tell our own stories, right, and not kind of pass the mic to others who, you know, might not necessarily have the same experience as us, but rather have us be the storytellers, the story authors, and everything um, around that. Of course, uh, that's beautiful. Like it's super inspiring to myself. Um, and I really want to check out one of those events in the you future. Yeah. So we're picking back up. So anytime you let me know, we'll get you on our list and it's on. For sure, thank you. And at these events, uh, since you are a DJ as well, do you are you usually the one who's hosting the DJ or do you collaborate with other people or how does that, how does that go down? Yeah, so um, it started off um, with myself and my homegirl Norms just kind of trying to throw a party together, right? Um, and it started because of, um, you know, this was right around like Trump's first election. So there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of uneasiness. There was a lot of stress, obviously, within our communities. So it just started off with like a crew of people, two people. And then we started branching off and adding more folks into our, um, into our production team. And now, you know, that we've kind of had our team build out, um, you know, and we've created a platform for ourselves. We are also now pulling up different people onto our platform because, again, we're strong believers in reinvesting in our communities, right? It's not only us who come out of, you know, the hoods that have so much immense talent and, um, you know, just like this gift, it's other people too. So we're using this platform to um, also leverage and encourage other people to also push their, um, you know, artist career, their DJ careers, their um, entrepreneurship careers, because we also have like vendors at our locations or like rather at our events. Um, so we try our very best to continue to pull people onto our platform and invite as many people as we can. Primarily being, again, you know, those marginalized communities, we're very strategic on who we invite 
because, you know, the nightlife industry, the DJ industry, music industry as, as a whole has been heavily male dominated, you know, cis male dominated for many years. And for us, it's super important to continue to push that and break those those boundaries. Of course. Yeah. It sounds like you're trying to be super intentional of who you want to partner with and trying to embrace about giving it back to the community. Like at the core, that's really what it is. Yeah. So let's talk about your DJing. Like who first introduced you into the world of DJing? Like how did that even come out? Yeah. So music has played a big part in my life, Um, you know, since, um, yeah, as long as I can remember, music has been there when I've been happy, when I've been sad, in my teenage angst years, when I've been really angry and frustrated in my organizing years when I've needed like a little pick me up music has always been there for me and um in high school um (laughs) it's so weird because I like fell in this um particular not any really particular not any real particular category I was a cheerleader but was also like um dating uh folks that were into like the grunge scene the metal scene the punk scene so but at the same time, me being me, I was also into like hip hop, reggaeton, you know, like I was just like this melting pot of music. And, you know, it's always just kind of been that way for me. So it was really natural for me just to continue and pursue this um, passion of mine. And till this day, you know, I can't thank the universe enough for just continuing to kind of encourage me on that path because it has truly opened a lot of doors for me you know that I never thought you know I'd be playing you know red carpet events I would be playing for like Netflix Facebook Google you know these are like big major um you know companies that as you know hood kids you know sometimes you don't really imagine but again it just goes to show that um if you really follow your heart, follow your passion. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but it is going to open different doors for you. You just have to be committed to that. And I'm so eternally grateful, you know, to, again, I go back into like my community of Boyle Heights because like music, the music that my family listens to, it's a lot of like Latinx, banda, cumbia, um, salsa, you know, tropical music, but I was lucky enough to also be raised in Boyle Heights where we have a lot of like, you know, folks who listen to oldies, to punk, to ska, to banda, to anything and everything, right? So I was really lucky to kind of be well-rounded in such a um, rich community, uh, again, and having the um, you know, music, uh, expertise of my family as well. So yeah, just listening to you talk about this and, and talking about like some of the advice that you would give to starving artists about like, you just have to be committed. Right. And if you really want something, you're going to go out there and do it. But where did you find it within yourself to like, almost like risk it all because like the music industry, the film industry, any, like anything on the art spectrum, it's, it's like, it's almost like a roulette. Like you don't know if you're going to make it because the competition's high. And coming from Boyle Heights, you know, like there's so many barriers that you have to cross. So what, like, yeah, how did you find that within yourself to be like, I'm going to do this and it's going to work out and I'm going to risk it all just to, just to pursue my passion project? Yeah, absolutely. And I always like to joke, you know, life's a risk, carnal, you know, and that's, <laughs> and I, I mean, I take that quote seriously, though, because it's definitely one of those things where like, you know, I was grateful and I'm, you know, forever um, thankful that, uh, you know, I had this organizing career where, 
you know, I was organizing alongside immigrant, um, you know, uh, workers, factory workers. Um, and don't get me wrong, I loved, 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 and I gave all of my heart, I gave all of my time, my energy, and my spirit to um, the movement. But that was also really depleting to my own spirit, you know, and my own mental health. Organizing is absolutely necessary. And yes, it's beautiful, but it can also be um, really detrimental to your health, you know, if you're not really taking the time to check in. And, you know, I experienced a lot of burnout. And I think it was towards the end of my, um, you know, like organizing career where I was just like, you know what? I also need to take some time for myself and do the things that make me happy. And again, I go back to this thing of like music was always there for me. So I decided to um, really just, you know, as, as you just said, like risk it all and kind of pursue that. And I found that in pursuing music, pursuing my passion, I could organize in a different way. I could organize through music. I could organize through art. And I was helping the movement in different ways, right? I was helping by replenishing and really providing a space where other organizers with other people um, that believe in social justice that are fighting, you know, day to day out on the streets could come and rejoice and refuel. And even for a few hours of the day, just kind of get you know, that energy that you sometimes need. And if you forget to, again, replenish and refuel that, you can cause a lot of burnout. So um, it was a risk, but it's a risk that I would do all over again, you know? I absolutely love to hear that. Um, Yeah, and to this day, you're still reinventing that. Like, you're still reinventing because you just opened up a new business. (laughs) Name's that stone. So congratulations on that. That's that's amazing. Thank you. so yeah, let's talk about Sazon. Like, what is it? What do y'all serve? What's the vibe? Where did that come from? So Sazon is my second baby. I don't have any little physical babies just yet, but I do have two babies, Cumbiaton, um, and the second one is Sazon. Um, and it's a restaurant I opened with my mom in um, in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> Um, you know, I was like, what is one of the hardest industries to go into? Food. Let's do it. What's one of the um, craziest uh, moments to get into the food industry? A pandemic. Let's do it. You know, um, obviously, I didn't really think about that as I was doing it. But like in retrospect, I'm like, wow, I really did that in all of this, you know, and it's taken me some time to process. I'm still processing it. Um, and it hasn't been easy by any means. Um, And sometimes I feel like I was really naive at the beginning of the restaurant industry career move. Um, But, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of, you know, that craziness to kind of push you into the unknown. And that's what I did. Um, And Sazon is um, this uh, co-owned business that I have with my mom, who um, was a street vendor for many years. in the neighborhood of Ramona Gardens. I'm not sure if you're familiar. but <laughs> um, And that's where we used to sell food. You know, we used to sell sopes, taquitos, um, you know, basically just any street food that, you know, um, that is delicious and feels like a warm hug to me. Um, and that's what I did with my, with my mama for, you know, until I was like 18 or so. I used to help her um, sell uh, food, um, right there in the Ramona Gardens um, community. And it's so crazy because recently there was a customer that came in and, um, you know, like it was a busy day. We had so many people there 
and like she came in and she's like hey come here and i was like um okay <laughs> she's like hey y'all were the ones that used to post up over there by the ramona gardens projects and i was like oh my god yes that was us you know so it was like a full circle moment of just being like wow you know there's people that have known of us from then and that are now here supporting our you know this um, brick and mortar which is wild to me i always like something i can't even believe it you know to see the restaurant just going and again it hasn't been easy but it's been so incredibly fulfilling and to answer your question i know i went on a long tangent but to answer your question uh, sazon is a place where i want people to feel that they're at home, you know, that they came over to their tias, that they came over to their prima's place, and they're just catching up. And, you know, it's building out to be just that. I love to see people like, you know, homegirls just coming in and catching up over some food, over some pozole, over my mom's food, you know, over a drink or two. Hey, or, um, you know, it, it's just really great to be able to be in, um, to be the space in a community, right? To add to the already vibrant community of Huntington Park. So yeah, why Huntington Park? Like, um, how did you decide to do it in that community? Or what what, what drew you in to, to opening in your own, well, co-owned business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Huntington Park has always had a special place in our hearts. Um, you know, if you, if you know you're from Boyle Heights, right? Like you used to take the 251 all the way to Huntington Park on the weekends. And I don't know, you might be a little too young for this, but they used to have like the arcades. They used to have like theaters over there. And La Pacific is similar to what Cesar Chavez used to be, you know, for, for me back in the day, it was Brooklyn. For everybody else is um, Cesar Chavez, right? But it was like another similar location where you were able to find you know um community as well because if you go down to huntington park it's still very much like hood that you still see folks selling out on the streets um and i'm grateful to be in a row where it's like you know we used to go eat um at el gallo hito um when we were younger you know and that would be like our little like weekend i guess distraction or getaway um from boyle heights but it's like, okay, that's Boyle Heights number two, girl. What you talking about? You know what I mean? Because it's so similar. So, you know, I'm lucky and, and I'm grateful that um, Huntington Park has uh, welcomed us, you know, with open arms and supported our, our business in that way. Of course, of course. Again, like I'm going to have to try this. Um, what's your recommendation? Like what's the most popular plate? Um, definitely uh, the pozole verde, which is native to, um, you know, our... Uh, state of Guerrero. Uh, usually, you know, pozole is like uh, green in the green. It's red or white, verdad, in like the northern parts. But um, el pozole verde viene de Guerrero, so it comes with a lot more flavor already in the broth. And then it comes with the botana, which includes like tostadas, taquitos de papa, chicharrón. So you dip it in the soup and you're just like, for me, that's my childhood and that's what I grew up eating. So it's a warm hug and I love to have that you know, on like gloomy mornings or just, you know, my mom's also the person who made it like in a hundred degree weather. She's like, I'm making <laughs> pozole. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm like, okay, fine. So it's really any dish, um, you know, you could have throughout. Um, another, uh, I guess, uh, crowd favorite is the Tres Leches French Toast that um, is kind of my kind of, um, I, uh, I guess, contribution to the menu. Because I'm a big breakfast person, you know. I'm a big brunch baddie, you know. I love to go out. I love me a, br a brunch moment. So I'm also trying to incorporate some of that. Um, we're going to 
I'm going to uh, give you a little sneak peek, but within the next few weeks, we're also going to drop a churro waffle. Uh, so to continue to add, right, like that fusion of like the traditional, I guess, American uh, food, but obviously with a little bit of sazon and, you know, that's our Mexican or Latinx cultura on there. So, yeah. All this food talk is making me hungry. <laughs> so um, what what advice would you give to like aspiring entrepreneurs? Like you were, you said it yourself, like you felt like you were head over toes when you first decided to open this, like all the odds were against you, but you did it. So, and it's your second baby. So <laughs> if, if anyone is experienced, it would be you. So what would you, what are your words of wisdom to anyone who's trying to open up a business of their own or is just trying to, come up with reinvent something themselves i would definitely say echenle ganas um echenle todas las ganas that it's not going to be easy in any way shape or form i saw a meme the other day and it was something along the lines of like me you know trying not to work a nine to five goes off and decides to be like an entrepreneur and then it's like me being an entrepreneur working 24 7 and I felt that so deep, you know, because even when, you know, you say you want the time off, you're always thinking about how to better your product, whether it's, you know, a restaurant, whether it's an item, whether it's whatever it is that you're, you know, that, that your vision is, right? Um, you always want to work on, you know, continuing to better that vision. And I'm not going to say perfect it because there is no such thing as perfection even if you, you know, strive it, you'll never achieve it 100%. And I think that is one of the things that you should be okay with, right? Continuing to better it and not perfect it. Um, and in order to do that, you have to have the commitment 100% to your vision. Other people might not, you know, might not believe you, might not see your vision because that is not their vision to have. That is your vision to have. And you have to have complete and unwavering commitment to it because you were granted that vision and you were granted that gift for a reason right other people might look at you like you're crazy like you you don't know they don't know how you're gonna do it shoot you might not even know how you're gonna do it and I'm speaking on personal um experience you know like we're almost to a year and I'm like wow like how the heck are we doing this you know and it hasn't been easy, but because of the commitment and like the also the support of, of our community is that we've been able to get to where we're at. But, um, you know, I would definitely say believe in your vision, you know, you know why it's going to work and continue to um, continue to get better, better each day, better than you were yesterday. And, you know, echenle ganas because there's going to be times where you're going to want to throw in the towel, but, you know, um, you just got to keep going because that's when, you know, that's how you develop that character. That's how you develop that consistency. And it's one of those things that I think, you know, sometimes we expect things to just miraculously work, you know, but it, 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 it doesn't work out that way. You have to also echarle todas las ganas posibles and, you know, sooner or later things are gonna something's got to give so with all that positivity talk um what legacy do you see yourself leaving for the community i mean you already have though i really <laughs> want to underline that but like what's next for you um what what does your third baby look like another passion project or what what do you see yourself going in the next like two two three years 
I think for me, I definitely want to continue to create spaces where my community is going to feel welcomed, where young women, young queers, immigrants, um, minorities, uh, marginalized communities that were never given that opportunity, right, um, to continue to have a sense of belonging. You know, for me, um, as, you know, those identities that I embody, right, um, I would have loved to have a space where um, I was encouraged, right, where I was given even mentorship to be able to, you know, just be like, yeah, girl, you could do whatever you want, you know. Um, unfortunately, we, we don't have that, you know, in a lot of spaces. Um, and it's really beautiful to, when you do find these spaces, to continue to, and, and foster them, right, because one example of somebody doing it gives other people the, um, I guess, the the will or les enseña, right? It shows them that it is possible, right? And I think representation in that matters 100%, you know, to have an undocumented immigrant queer, you know, woman be doing all of these things and from Boyle Heights, you know what I mean? Like, we already beat out all the odds, you know, and we're continuing to do it little by little. And for me, that is one of the things that I want to I want to leave behind that I want other younger people to to look at our stories, to look at our business ventures and be able to be like, well, if they can do it, that means that maybe I can, too. Right. Again, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen 100 percent. My experience might look different than, than, you know, the next person, but you already know that somebody was able to do it, you know? So that's something that I want to be able to continue to um, provide and to let our communities know, right? Like, it is possible, it is hard, but it is possible. And at the end of the day, you know, like, if you need any support, any mentorship or, or anything like that, like, feel free to reach out because, you know, aquí estoy and... For me, if one of us makes it, we all make it, you know, and I will continue to use my platform to bring more people onto um, the game. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, on that note, uh, you talk about, yeah, like once you see somebody doing it, somebody who looks like you, somebody who talks like you, you gain that inspiration from that person. So given that it is Women's History Month, ¿Cuál mujeres ya sido? Tu mayor inspiración, like which woman has been that person for you growing up to this day, moving forward? You're gonna make me cry, because <laughs> that woman has always been my mom. You know, um, she, uh, that woman. I could write thousands of books on her. You know, resiliency, on her bravery, on her love, on her. You know. Um, just her love not only for her children, for her community, for social justice, right? Um, that woman has taught me everything that I know to be a strong, empowered, yet soft and um, really sensitive woman too, you know? And don't get me wrong, we've butted heads. Um, <laughs> especially now, you know, having to be co-workers and co-creators of this space. Um, it hasn't been easy, but... You know, she has always been there for me and she has always had my back, you know, and for women like her who have crossed borders and risked it all, left home to give their kids a better future. I'm like, my, you deserve the world. 
And I know that that's not the reality for a lot of people, you know, but um, for me, my mom, uh, I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to have that relationship with her, you know, and to really acknowledge that. Um, but she has been, you know, the head of um, the head of of the household that I was growing up in. And, you know, I am who I am because of my mother. So she has been, you know, the person that I have most definitely looked up to um, as, as, as a woman, as a strong, amazing, and beautiful woman. Of course, que vivan las mujeres. Yes, que vivan. <laughs> well, I, I just want to end on that really powerful and sweet note. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your wisdom, for inspiring me just through this interview. Um, for being the woman that you are and doing what you're doing. Um, and I just hope that you keep doing it because you're doing it so well. And I'm, I mean, it's just inspiring to me wholeheartedly and that you're representing my community, your community, Boyle Heights. It's just really, really empowering. Um, it was truly an honor for me to, to interview you today. And I can't wait to hear you live at your next event, whether it's at a residency, at La Cita, wherever, yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. Um, and to all our listeners, if you want to stay up to date with her shows, as I highly recommend you do, you can find her on Thank Instagram you. at sizzle007, that's S-I-Z-Z-L-E-007, or on SoundCloud at DJ Sizzle underscore double zero seven, that's DJ S-I-Z-Z-L-E underscore zero zero seven. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me on. And shout out to everyone from Boyle Heights. Woo woo. Woo woo. <laughs> so with that being said, um, I feel like we've learned so much just today uh, listening to our two guest speakers. So let's highlight anything that really stuck to you, Kevin. What, what do you want the listeners to know about today and how it's felt uh, co-hosting this day? Well, I mean, this is my first time ever, right, recording a or hosting, co-hosting a podcast. And I'm not going to lie, I was nervous when, when, when I signed up for this. And then as time approached, I got even more nervous. But I think what helped me was just re reminding myself that, you know, like at the end of the day, like these are inspirational people that we're going to be interviewing and and i i left inspired i talking to uh, roxana duenas um, hearing her story and how moving it was also to hear just her experience right seeing herself not just in a billboard or in, in a poster at, a, at, at the utla strike but also in a museum like that really just gave me chills as i was hearing her and so that was the highlight of, of hearing her talk of course and i think that one of the biggest takeaway for myself as i'm sure it is for you was that when our guest speakers were finished with their interview and they were ready to go, they basically highlighted and noted how much they needed this from their like emotional, emotionally. Um, it was so rich for them to have this experience, to be interviewed, to have this safe space that we both created, uh, to be able to share what's really on their mind, to get emotional <laughs> on the verge of tears. And for us, it was just like absorbing all this information and feeling inspired um, and just really going through it as, as we go. Like it was just truly uh, moving for us too. It meant so much to us too, more than they could even know. But I feel like it's a two-way street. So we both gave ourselves that space to feel inspired. And with DJ Sizzle, I mean, the same thing. I was listening to her speak and as she was, I was just really consuming everything she was telling me and feeling inspired myself because it's great to see somebody, like I said during the podcast, like who looks like me, who talks like me who put it all on the line right to do what she's really passionate about and it really um made me feel empowered and made me feel like i can do that like if she can do it somebody from the community somebody who probably represents boyle heights then what's stopping me from doing it myself right so to me it was it was just quite the experience that 
um, I was able to get all of this just from one interview, you know, and from hearing you and Roxana the same the same way. And being the first time, of course, like it, it is pretty nerve wracking. But y'all got to give us some kudos because I know we did good. <laughs> yeah, we, you did great. And um, there's one thing that like one word that stood out to me that you just said right now and reminded me of the conversation with Roxana and DJ Sizzle is community. That's what Roxana really that's what she loves about Boy Heights, right? The community that not just embraced her, but also that like it's the reason why she does the work that she does. And so, you know, I take that into like, you know, it makes me reflect, okay, what do I, what's my purpose behind the work that I do, right? Um, whether it's at Boy Heights Beat, whether it's in my full-time job, right? My, my, my other projects, like it's, it's, and it's rooted in community. And so I think it was a, a really dope reminder. Of course, yeah. And one that we didn't even think we needed, right? Until it happened, like then in the moment. And really at its core, it's just what our community can do for us. Like it's just, it's that's what it is, really. We're helping each other out one way or the, or the other and more than we can even know. And it all roots back to Boyle Heights, you know, like that family, that, that feeling of a family that you can find in our community just by the work that we're doing, honestly. And it's it's been great. Yeah. And, and to add to that, um, like, I mean, I'm not from Boy Heights, right? I wasn't born and raised in Boy Heights. I I mean, my tia, grew, like she, that's the only reason I have a connection to Boy Heights because growing up, she she, um, she used to live on Fresno and 4th Street. And so I would go there every weekend. And that's how I kind of became acquainted with Boy Heights. And then it wasn't until I went to Roosevelt when I was, you know, a teenager or a young adult um, where uh, I immersed myself in Boy Heights, right? Because I was attending the Magnet Academy there. And yeah, I was embraced by like the people there, teachers, um, the local vendors, right? The local coffee shops, the stores. And so, yeah, I think once again, it was just it's like, yeah, Boy Heights is a place that really embraces you. And just it's a it's a dope community to be in. Of course. And um, really, it's just like a melting pot of culture, rich culture, vibrant culture, music, arts. Like it's really the place to be, honestly. And I feel like if... For anyone who comes, it always feels like home to them because we just have the capacity of doing that, um, all of us. So, so yeah. Well, I am proud of us. And I'm, once again, uh, really uh, excited that we reinstated this podcast. Um, that is a wrap for our first uh, episode of Radio Pulso. To our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, once again, I am Kevin Martinez. And I'm Kate Valdez. And like I said, if you ever want to pitch us an idea for the radio show or our newspaper, you can just send us an email at boilheightsbeat at gmail.com. That's boilheightsbeat, beat as in B-E-A-T, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from all of you as we pride ourselves in offering noticias por y para la comunidad. That's news for and by the community. Or we'd even love to have you on the show, wouldn't we, Kevin? Absolutely. So also make sure to check us out on social media to stay up to date. You can follow our Radio Pulso Instagram account at Radio Pulso. That's triple R A D I O P U L S O. And thanks to the people who make Boa Heights be possible, especially Chris Kelly and Antonio Mejias Rentas. A huge thank you to our radio producer, Jackie Ramirez. And to Andy Garcia for engineering the show. We'll be back soon with our next episode. Don't forget to tune in. Until then, suerte boy heights. Nos vemos en la calle.